I'm the devil's master. I'm man's servant. I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Wherever I go, God goes. Whoever I touch, God will touch. Do you believe that? All right, that's, wh- that's why we have to walk in dominion, and we are renewing our minds daily to what he said we already are. We're not evolving. We're not attaining. We are complete in him, and we are developing and growing up into him. That's, that's fundamental that we have to understand that. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's a pattern of victory, real simple. Faith and victory. You make a decision to believe God. If you want to number it, you can, whatever. Make a decision to believe God. Amen? Then there's a test. So as soon as you decide to believe, and remember believing is acting on the word, you can't can't say you believe and don't act. That's why faith without works is dead. It says that we're saved by faith, but then James says we're saved by works. Very interesting. Saved by faith, saved by works. So you're saved by acting on the word. So you make a decision to believe God, then there's a test, and in the test you have to hang on to your confession. And then it, and then the miracle happens. So what what we don't know is sometimes the time in between the test and the fulfillment is where we lose it. That's where miracles are aborted. It's the in-between time. It's the meantime. And that's where the devil will try to convince you it's not working. Are you hearing that? What is faith? Mustard seed faith. Quality faith. Faith that does not quit. Are you hearing that? You do not back off. That's why in Genesis when it says he created man to have dominion. Remind me to go to Hebrews somebody. Well, let's go to Genesis first. I want to go to Hebrews after. Because most of this is not in my notes. So. Got the Papa anointing. Hallelujah. Genesis. Verse 128, God bless them. Chapter 128, God bless them. Say it out loud, he blessed them. The word bless means to empower. It means to speak well of. Are you hearing that? God blessed them and said to them. You hear it? He empowered and then he spoke. Be fruitful. Multiply. Okay, does an apple tree pray to bear fruit? It's just in its DNA. It doesn't have to try to bear fruit. I need to make apples. I need to fast and pray to make make apples. One day I shall make apples. In Jesus' name, apples come forth in Jesus. It doesn't have to do it. It is in its DNA. You, you need to get that. It's in your DNA to be fruitful. God put it in you to be fruitful. God has created you to be fruitful. 
Amen? And then you will multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Subdue it means to make it obey you. That's what it means to subdue. So before you're having to... You, what is it in the King James there? Fill the earth? Is it Where, where is the word dominion? Anyone have King James? What? Okay, so, so notice the pattern. Thank you. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and then have dominion or rule. So dominion and rule means the same. So what happened... What has to take place before you have dominion is you must subdue. Do you see it there? That's why, again, the violence, the aggression, the warfare, they're, they're, the, the devil has crippled the church with this passive attitude, and they call it God's sovereignty. It's not God's sovereignty. Well, it's God's will. There's a really good book I recommend. It's a very thick book. It's, it's not easy to read in the sense that it's a scholar it's it's a scholarly work it's called God at War God at War I forget the author's name but basically he breaks he breaks up the Old Testament and the New Testament and just basically talking up talking about the spirit world and the opening of the book talks about this young girl in World War 2 she was a young Jewish girl. Jewish girl. I'm trying to remember her name now. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't. I can't remember it. Doesn't matter. So, this young Jewish girl is captured by the Germans, and she's got these beautiful, dark brown eyes. So they figure. These eyes are so beautiful. Let's take them out. Are you hearing me? Down the street, as they are ripping this girl's eyes out, there's a church singing songs and praising God. The point is, our worldview... See, in, in the early church, they expected bad things to happen. When I say expect bad things to happen, I don't mean like we're self-imposing curses on us. I'm saying that they understood bad things happen to even good people because we're in a world that's fallen and we're caught in a crossfire between good and evil. To, the mo- to most Western people, the whole story of Daniel where, where he's praying and there's these you know, how, how could the devil hold up prayer? See, there, there's a, it's not that he's more powerful than God, but it's understanding how God has set things up in the universe. Now, here we read it. Read it again in Genesis 1. This will prove the point. In verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. So who's to rule over the fish of the sea? God? No, we are. Yep. Over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Alright, so you can just draw a couple things out of here. The first thing is that earth was man's sphere of authority. It was entrusted to man. 
That's where man was to rule. If we don't understand this, we, we won't enter into healing the way we're supposed to. The second thing is God did not include himself in the legal constituency of the earth. What I mean by that is it was man's domain. Man was to decide what happened. God was not going to intervene. Do you see it there? Number three is that all activity of the spirit world was illegal unless man gave permission. Including God. God, God not, was not, wasn't just going to come down and do what he wanted to do. He, not because he couldn't, because he made it this way. So we're not limiting God. God's all-powerful. He's all-wise. We're not, we're not saying, I'm not teaching some strange doctrine like God can't do something. No. But what I'm saying is we get messed up because how we believe things are set up. So he, he makes the earth. Man is in charge of the earth. He has, he, has, he has dominion over the earth. And God does not include himself in the laws. That's like the illustration I gave yesterday. If someone comes in my house to hurt my wife and my child, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to defend my family because that's my house. See, the earth, the earth is our house. That's where God put us, and he gave us his Holy Spirit to use, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the shield of faith, and that's what we are to use. Those are our weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're mighty through God, so we're not doing it apart from ourselves. It's through God. Amen? So all activity of the spirit world was illegal without man's permission, without his approval. And then, the, and then you see the final thing is that man was to expand God's rule. So man, man was the God of this world, lowercase g. He, he is the viceroy. He's the region of the earth, right? We all know that. So you, we have to remember that. So Jesus came to restore the dominion. Amen? That's what he came for. So... We're talking about faith and victory. You make a decision to believe God. Then there's a test. And then you hang on to your confession. You believe. Right? Now, in the midst of you believing, in the midst of you confessing, your emotions can be going haywire. That has got nothing to do with your faith. You hear me? It's got nothing to do with it. That's why sometimes we lose battles because when something hits you that's close to home, it's just like if something happens, all right, and you don't have people to help you in it, that's why it, it, it can go wrong. Are you hearing? But here's the point. You're, you're emo you can still be in faith and your emotions are crying out. Everything's going, you know, that doesn't mean you're not in faith. What determines the outcome, you make a decision, then there's a test, decision to believe. Then there's a test, then you hang on to your confession. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. So remember the confession... 
the in-between time. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Nothing happened visibly. Is that true? He cursed the fig tree. He spoke to it. As far as everyone was concerned, he failed in the natural. There's many times Jesus looked like he failed. He spoke to the lepers. Nothing happened. And then as they went, they were healed. That's why you, you have to resolve in your mind that it's not always going to be immediate visually. As soon as you speak, something immediately happens. But you don't always see it with your natural eye. What matters is what you believe. That's why Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe. So renewing your mind in this way is going to help you. I think I started to tell you the story about the girl with crippling arthritis in Slovenia. So I spoke to her, laid hands on her. Nothing happened physically. So you think, oh, that didn't work. See, that's when you fail. And then let me tell you, because we want to see instant, and we, and we are going to see more instant. Amen? Because Jesus had a lot of instant miracles, and we're supposed to grow up into him. Amen? So I'm not saying, I'm not setting the bar low. I don't want you to think like, like J.R. was saying, I think last night, that you want to see more, you know, and more of the immediate. We should have that. I believe in that. Amen? But the fact is, sometimes you encounter something and it's not. So when I, when I spoke to this little girl, you know, I just ministered to her, spoke, spoke to this arthritis and so on, and it wasn't a long time, and then I left. I had to go. I'm flying to England to do one of these. So the devil, as I'm getting, you know, I go back, see, you're an idiot, nothing happened. See, look at that. You, you just taught all these people about healing, and now nothing happened. You're, you're misrepresenting God. You're a liar. Boom, boom, boom. I said, devil, shut up. I said, this is the word of God. I said, Father, I preached your word. I believe your word. I'm not accepting anything less. This is what it says. I believe. Thank you, Jesus. And every time that voice came out, I just said, thank you, Jesus, it's done. Thank you, Father, it's done. Hallelujah, I praise your name. And then, you know, you keep doing that, the devil will eventually shut up. And then I got the report. A few days later, the girl's healed. She had, she had her classroom in kindergarten in an antichrist country that doesn't believe in God. She's lining up her, her classmates, laying hands on them, saying, Jesus heals. The teacher got born again. But somebody had to have the courage to believe and to look like a fool. So that's what you're called to do. Amen. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And any one of you could have done what I did. That's the whole point of this seminar. Any one of you could have done that if you just know what you have in Christ and believe. As long as you think it's a special anointing, this is, it's defeating the purpose. Are you hearing that? Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1. Therefore let us, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should, should seem to have come short of it. Now, if you look up the word rest, 
one of the interesting things it means is to colonize. It's a picture of going in, moving into a new territory, and settling there, and you colonize that territory. How many believe God has some new territory for you? I remember a few years ago, Dr. David preached a message called Crossover to Takeover. That's what this is talking about. It's a colonization. God wants us. There, there is a promised land. See, that's why you have to have a church that you're connected to because God raises up the church to impact the city. So when you belong to the church, that church is destined to change the city to the city of God. That's the church's promised land. But you as an individual have your own individual promised land God has for you. So there's a corporate dream that we live for a corporate destiny. But God doesn't just want you lost in the numbers. He has a specific plan for your family, for your life, and the promised land that he has for you is where you'll be fruitful. Amen? So it's finding your field. Not everyone's called to be behind the pulpit. Some of you are called to have business, but you're supposed to have God in the business, setting people free in the business. Amen? Some of you are going to have different places you go, different whatever. But the point is, the concept is corporate vision first, and then as you come into that dream, God gives you your own dream that fits within the big dream. And so he says we've got to be diligent to enter, to colonize, because God has land for you to take. What are we talking about? Dominion. Before you have dominion, you have to subdue. There are things that you're going to have to make obey you. And that's, that's a big hurdle for a lot of us because we, we, we keep separating ourselves from God. But see, you're one with Him. You're oneness with Christ. You have, to, you have to understand that. You have to get that. You're one with Him. So when you speak to someone, let's say you're ministering to someone, in the name of Jesus, I command this thing to go. As far as the devil's concerned, Christ is speaking. Do you get that? As far as heaven is concerned, Christ is speaking. It's you're the only one that's not sure. And then the devil picks up on that. Hear me. He picks up on He can tell. If you know what you're saying, that's what the sons of Sceva were doing. They're imitating a method. So we adjure you to come out by, by Jesus who Paul preaches. That, that was the devil's indicate. Ah, you don't know what you're doing. You're not connected. And what did he say? Jesus, we know. He's been personally introduced to us. Meaning he's clobbered us. He's beat us down. We know who he is. And Paul's also been announced to us as being in the same league with him. But who are you? Right? It's not because the devil was so big and they were so small. They just, they didn't understand. Their faith was in the method and not in the name. Verse 2. For indeed we've had good news preached to us. Have you had good news preached to you? Just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them. Because it was not united or mixed with faith in those who heard it. So remember, the word is a seed. The sower went forth to sow a seed. Verse 
Mark chapter 4. I'm going to come back to Hebrews, but I want you to see that. Actually, I'm going to go to Mark 4 because I want, to, I want you to see it there. But I just want to pull one scripture out of Matthew 13 because they're both about the parable of the sower. I want you to look at verse 19, and then we'll read the whole parable in context in Mark. So I'm in Matthew 13, verse 19. Or verse 18 says, Hear the parable of the sower. So what are we talking about? Parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. Did you hear that? So what word can the devil steal? The word you don't understand. He can't just come take anything from you. He can't just come snatch a word from you. Well, be careful. The devil's going to steal the word from you. Well, yeah, if you give it to him. But he can't just come and take it from you. It's the word you don't understand. That's why in Proverbs it says, with all you're getting, get understanding. So after this conference is over, you've got to listen to these CDs. You've got to go over the messages. Press Paul. What is that saying? Look it up. And what are you doing? You are building your arsenal in you. Because boldness comes from being convinced of what you know. Man, this is the word. It's true. This is what it says. This is what I can have. This is who I am. Yes, hallelujah. So what are you doing? The enemy can't steal that from you. But if you just hear it, and you don't give yourself to it, and you don't meditate on it long enough to understand it, because Jesus said, with a heart you understand. So you don't understand only with your head. But see, sometimes I think, I keep going back to the illustration Pastor Graham gave because his illustration about the engine, the difference between the consummate and actually doing it, there's understanding involved. So we can't just tell people, just, just receive, you know, it doesn't matter if you understand. That's crazy because look at how many times Paul told people, I pray for the eyes of your understanding. I pray you be filled with the knowledge of His will. I pray for wisdom. So He's all the while trying to connect them so that they understand. Are you hearing? Well, sometimes we have, a, we have a funny way of thinking that we take one phrase that's said and we, we, we just apply it wrong. So the point is you need to understand. Now let's go to Mark 4. Talking about faith and victory. You make a decision to believe God. I keep, I'm going to keep hammering that. Make a decision. Not, not, not to obey some feeling. Make a decision to believe the Word of God. Okay. Rhema and Logos. Rhema and Logos. Do you know that there's virtually no difference? Virtually none. Look, you look up the definition. They're both words for word. The Logos word. The Rhema word. Okay? So there's doctrine out there. Like in a lot of camps, they'll say, you have the Logos word, which is the written word. Right? Because we're talking about the sower. What are we talking about? The sower, victory, faith. You make a decision to obey the word of God. Then there's a test. 
and you keep making your confession, then the victory happens. It's that simple, okay? So Logos is the word, written word of God. It has to do with intelligence. You can find that in your manual, the Logos and the Rhema, okay? But the point is this. There's, there's, I've heard it taught before where you can't just obey the written word. You need a Rhema word that quickens you to do that word. So, for instance, laying hands on the sick. It's there, but I need an inspiration. I need a rhema that needs to well up within me to do that. So we, so we get mixed up because we think that we need a leading to obey a command, and you don't. So what happens is it's similar, it's similar to the concept of milk and meat. Milk is basically hearing the word. It's also the basic principles that, that you can't deny that because that's in chapter 6. It says, let us go on from the elementary principles of the oracles of God in Hebrews chapter 6 and it talks about all the basics faith towards God so that's milk repentance from dead works my country is filled with Sunday after Sunday now they're, most of them don't even preach the gospel but if they do preach it it's just milk because it's just how to have faith towards God how to have repentance from dead works. Baptisms. So that's water baptism. That's even the infilling of the Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's a basic doctrine. Laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead. That's all basic. Foundation. Alright, so here's the point. Logos and Rhema. You look at the Word of God, you make a decision. You look at the Logos, and you make a decision to obey it. And as you step out and do it, it becomes Rhema. So God doesn't need to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prosper you. You go in the Word of God, you find out, what does it say about prosperity? He said, behold, I'm the Lord your God. He gives you power to get wealth. He doesn't say he's going to give you wealth. He says, I give you, you power to generate wealth. God can sometimes make money. We've had miracles happen like that. In the, in the school of the prophets in Malaysia, God just put money in people's pockets. I mean, I like that stuff. Amen? But you have to remember, most miracles are because you don't know what you're doing. Do you realize what I mean? It means it's an emergency. It's God's mercy helping you. If God has to get me out of trouble all the time, then there's something wrong. It's just like divine healing versus divine health. God would rather you, you just walk in divine health and never need another miracle in your life. That's what he said. Remember when he fed the 5,000? Oh, we'll get into that. Let's stay focused. So Rhema, Logos. Rhema, Logos. Logos, Rhema. You've got the Logos word. It's a more sure word of prophecy. You find out by these great and magnificent promises. We walk by faith, not by sight. We look to the things that are unseen. What's unseen? In here. It's not like you're trying to see devils and angels walk, you know. It's in here. In here. The kingdom is in here. The word of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. So you look at the word, you make a decision, it becomes rhema. Amen? Now, having said that, Mark chapter 4. 
Verse 3, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. It came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell by the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, we just read in Matthew 13, the only way they can do that is if you don't understand it, if you don't receive it in your heart, right? Verse 5, other seed fell on the rocky ground where it could not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. After the sun had risen, it was scorched because it had, not, it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. The thorns came up and choked it. It yielded no crop. Other, other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased. They yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, 100-fold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parable. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Someone said that includes me. So God does not want you to think that he's mysterious anymore. Do you believe that? Healing is not mysterious. Power of God is not mysterious. The word of God is not mysterious. There's nothing that he wants hidden from you. Do you believe that? Well, God is so mysterious. No, he's not. He said, he said exactly who he is. As long as you think that, then, then this becomes mystical and it, you know, it's hit and miss. No, it's got to be what he said. He wants to reveal himself to us. Amen? He says, so to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. To those who are outside, everything's given in parables. In order that while seeing they may see and not perceive. Why is he saying this? Because he's quoting from Isaiah. And that had to do with the Jews rejecting him and all that. doesn't apply to you. While hearing, they may, may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. All right? That's not you. You're in him. Verse 13, he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? So this parable is key. The sower sows the word. What is he sowing? The word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word was sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. But how did he do that? They did not understand it. They didn't take long enough to let the seed germinate. They're just getting milk. They're not, they're not, heat. They're not meditating on the word to understand the word. Amen? Verse 16, in a similar way, these are the ones whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they heard the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So what is this phrase, no firm root in themselves? The Bible says we should be rooted and grounded in love. The way we would say it today is they have no confidence in the new birth. No confidence in the new creation. So they're not sure. Are they in? Are they out? Are they in the Old Testament? Are they in the New Testament? Are they a child of God? Are they a servant? Are they a son? They don't know what they are. So they don't, they don't, they don't have any root in themselves. And that's why we lose battles because the enemy can just knock us off because we don't, we don't know who we are. Verse 18, other, others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, the worries of the world. That's where some people you minister healing to, you do have to deal with their worry and their anxiety. 
you know, you have to be the first one that's not nervous. A lady came up to me just the other night. I was in Melbourne. I was in a different meeting, and she, she, I mean, she looked pretty crazy. She did. She had big buggy eyes and was nervous. And she said, she said, how, how can, how do you, you know, is it possible to see mentally ill people heal? I thought, oh, good. She's coming for help. We're going to set her free. I said, yes. <laughs> I did. I really did. Prophetic was not operating. Just yeah, sure. She said, well, I, I said, why do you ask? Because Jesus said, what do you want? So they don't have to have faith, but they have to want it, don't they? He said to the man in John 5, do you want to be made well? Sounds very insulting. I'm trying to get into the water, of course. Of course I want to be made well. And by the way, Jesus did not pass all those sick people, like a lot of people say. Like God told him only to go to this guy. That's not true. That scripture doesn't prove that. Read it. He could, don't, he could do no miracles because of their unbelief. That's another sacred cow we're going to kill. We'll get to it. He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief, except heal a few sick people. Okay, so which is it? He healed people, but he couldn't do any mighty works. It says, where was he at? His hometown. They're familiar with him. They didn't come to his meetings. So there's just a few people. So he healed those that were there. Okay, that's... So the crazy lady said to me, she said, she's ministering to mentally ill people and wants to know, can we see healing? I said, the first thing to do is you have to make sure you're not mental. I did. And it's like the light bulb went on like, ah, and I, I wasn't being mean to her. I said, I, said, I said, did you ever ask yourself, why are they attracted to you? <laughs> now I really, she was really upside down now. And then the prophetic did kick in, praise the Lord. So I start, started telling her about her past and what's going on and why, why she's in the predicament she is, she's in. And, you know, she's trying to do a good work, but she had no pastor. She had no one to disciple her. And she's trying, to, she's trying to go out there and do, do something for Jesus. But she had no one to father her, no one to help her. I said, look, you're living in a treehouse. I said, these are all your friends, but they're monkeys in the treehouse. I'm talking to her just this way, I promise you, just this way. And she was, she was Latin, so I, I have a lot of Latin people by where I live, so I know how to talk to them. I said, girl, what's up? Como estas? She said, bien. I said, these people are crazy. You, do you see all the people I just ministered to? They're all nuts. And this is, some of them are standing around listening to me. I said, I said they're, they're living in a treehouse. It's not a church. Said, oh. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the cares of this world. The worries of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. So I'm not saying you have to find roots in people. But sometimes what's hurting them is you, you, you have to help them. You minister life to them. But, you know, like, for instance... How do you say it? Eczema? Uh, the skin? Eczema? Like a lot of times that's stress-related. It's nerves. So you have to minister life. Now, it's not that God won't heal, but see, on one side of the coin, we're ministering life to people. On the other side, you've got to teach people how to hang on to it so they can become strong. So you've got those four categories of people. The unbelievers getting healed through the laying on of hands. The new Christians through the prayer of faith. The carnal ones through the gifts and through communion. And then... 
the ultimate is to have the spirit of life in you just replenishing your physical body. Amen? So the worries of the world in verse 19, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. So the word can become unfruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. Those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good, on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. He was saying to them, now this is what I want you to see in this parable. A lot of times we stop there. And we think that this parable is about the soil. It's not about the soil. It's about the word. So we always talk about the different kinds of soil. But what he's trying to get you to do is see the word. So he keeps talking about the word. Verse 21, he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure. Is it? Or under a bed? Is it not, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? What's he talking about? He's still talking about the word. How do I know that? Because, because in Revelation, it talks about how Jesus is walking among the golden lampstands. So these are churches that are supposed to preach the right word. He said, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. You're not declaring my message anymore. You're full of religion. You're a synagogue of Satan. You better get it together, guys. That's what he's saying to them. All right, so this parable is about the word. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. What does that? The word. He doesn't want to be mysterious anymore. It's not like we read it like he just wants to expose every secret thing in your life. Of course that's there, but we're, we're so tuned to negative things. We have this medieval, dark age view of God. This Old Testament God. We don't realize how good He is, that He wants to bless us, He wants to increase us. Nothing's hidden except to be revealed, not, nor has anything been secret. What, did, what he, did He just get done saying to them? He just said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries. How are they going to know the mysteries? Through the Word. Nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret that should, that should come to light. I talk too fast when I'm excited. Verse 23. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And what is he doing now? He keeps talking about the Word. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. What Word you listen to? By the standard of measure. It shall be measured to you. More shall be given you besides. Remember what I said at the beginning of yesterday? Faith filled, faith full, power full. So there's a, there's a time that this thing germinates. You know, when you plant the seed into the ground, at some point it, the seed coat breaks, right? And it actually dies. That's why Jesus said the seed falls into the ground and dies. And it actually becomes part of the soil. The Word made flesh. Hear the word, milk. Do the word, meat. He was saying to them, whoever, whoever has, in verse 25, to him shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. And he was saying to them, he's still talking about the word. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. What is seed? Word. And he goes to bed night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows up. How? He himself does not know. So there's a way this thing operates. You don't know all the details. Remember, we're talking about faith and victory. You make a decision to obey the word. Act on it. Amen? Then what happens? A test comes. But what do you got to do? Night and day. Sow the word. Confess the word. Believe the word. Don't 
See, when you dig up the seed, then you're messing everything up. That's where we mess up. Then we, then we get strange doctrines. We say doctors are God's way of healing people today. No, they're not. Jesus never said, take two of these and call me in the morning. The Lord sent forth the Chinese herbs and healed the people. He never said that. Now, I'm not against doctors, but I'm saying, look, if I needed a doctor, I would go to one. I don't need one. It's not a problem if you need one, but just keep growing in your faith. So there's no condemnation. In fact, most doctors are more closer to the heart of God than most believers. Because they're trying to get the devil off people. They don't know how to do it. They're doing it through a natural means. So they can diagnose things and give you prognosis and diagnosis and tell you what's going on in the natural. But see, what you call a diagnosis or a prognosis, I call a footprint. Like cancer. Cancer is rebellious cells. That's all it is, rebellious cells. But if that's all you think it is, there's a life behind that, an ungodly life that needs to be dealt with. So sometimes, when you, like I've seen people with tumors, you deal with that cancerous tumor. You cast out the spirit of cancer. Now, nothing physically happens, but what happens is the ungodly or the demonic life has gone out of that thing, and then it detaches. So sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. You hearing this? Guys, we need this. Because because we gotta help people. God wants us to be strong. Hallelujah. He wants us to be blessed. Let's just read on to the thirties, we'll take a break. So I want you to when you have time, like all other homework, because we're always learning, right? I'm learning, you're learning. Just remember the parable of the sower doesn't stop at verse. 20 it goes on into the 30s and it all the emphasis is about the word of God he was saying to them in verse 26 the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil so the word and the kingdom are connected right the word of the kingdom he goes to bed at night gets up by day the seed sprouts and grows up how he himself does not know the soil produces crops by itself. Did you hear that? The result is up to God. What are you supposed to do? Sow the word, make a decision, act on the word, hold fast your confession, don't give in to doubt, don't, don't let wrong things come out of your mouth, hang on, lay hold of God. Lay hold of God. But see, how can you have faith where the will of God is not known? You can't. You can never have faith where the will of God is not known. You have no basis to stand on. You're not sure if he wants to heal or if he doesn't want to heal. How can you ever believe him to heal then? Because you don't know what he wants. If it be thy will, O Lord. That's the worst prayer you can ever pray as far as healing. That is unbelief. That, that, is, that is wrong because it's got... See, when you pray... When did Jesus pray that? In the garden. Before he's going to die. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What's he doing? He doesn't want to die. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the weight of sin and everything on him. If it, nevertheless, you know, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. 
you cannot pray that prayer because He's given you the Word and He's revealed to you what His will is. The only time we pray that prayer is when we're making a decision and we need direction about something that's not clearly in the Word of God. Like what job to take. Lord, if it's your will, you know, show, you know, let this door open. But He doesn't want you to live by fleeces. You know, put out a fleece, you know. If, it, if it's wet in the morning, I'm going to take... The, you know, this is... I mean, you're not Gideon, man. That's, that's, not, that, that's not the way we're supposed to operate. You know? You, if, it, if it's your will, Lord. What, what, when do you pray that? When the will of God is not known. So that's called the prayer of consecration. That means that I, I'm giving myself to you and I'm committing to do your will. I don't know what it is in this particular area. So what the enemy will do is he'll try, to, he'll try to blind your eyes from seeing what is the will of God so you pray prayers like that because those prayers are not in faith. Are you hearing? So the leper came to him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Do you know what he said in the Greek? Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so awesome. I mean... Oh. He says, I'm willing and have been willing and have been desiring it with all my heart and will always be willing. That's what he said. If you're willing. He said, I am willing. I'm always willing. He's always willing to heal. There's no reason why he won't heal you. Do you hear me? There's no reason why. There's no, there's no reason why he won't heal you. It's only if the enemy can get you to believe that he won't. That's the only thing. So, so can you see how hurting people are? That's why we got to take this message and help people. First, we got to be equipped. So, because people are hurting and we need to get the devil off them. And then teach them the truth. Amen? He was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed on the soil. Then he, then he goes... In verse 29, when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Verse 30, he said, he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? So how did the kingdom come? It's God's rule. Have dominion. Rule. Subdue. How did, how did all the dominion and ruling happen? Through the word. So the word, the kingdom comes through the word. God's rule and authority and superiority come through the Word. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Because that's how you're going to advance the kingdom. God can't rule in the situation unless you are speaking and sowing the Word. We can't God, stop waiting for God to do it and find the Word. Take the Word. Amen? How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or, how, or by what parable shall we present it? It's like a mustard seed. Which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all seeds that are, that are upon the soil, yet, yet when it is sown, when it is sown, grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Now do you see in your word there how the text changes, the font of the text changes? So he's quoting from the Old Testament now. Right? So let's find out what it is and we'll take a break. Ezekiel 17. Because this is important. 
What are these birds of the air? It's not the same birds that came to steal the word. These are different birds. Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord God, A great eagle with great wings, long pinions, full of plumage and many colors, came to Lebanon and took away the top cedar. What's he talking about? The mustard seed. The kingdom grows up and now there are these branches, right? And he's quoting from here. He plucked off the topmost of its young twigs and brought it to the land of merchants. He set it in a city of traders. He took some of the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. You hear the language? He set it like a willow and it sprouted and it became a low spreading vine with its branches turned towards him. Its roots remained under it, so it became a vine and yielded shoots and sent out branches. And he goes on. Now, this is what I want you to see. You can study this later. Let me see if I can pull it out here for you. Pull this scripture out because this is important. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, look at verse... uh, Verse 22, Thus says the Lord God, I shall take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I shall pluck from the topmost of his young twigs a tender one, and I shall plant it on a high and lofty mountain. All right, this is Mount Zion. You can pull from Micah 4 in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord. Okay, so this is all having to do with the word in the kingdom. On the high mountain of Israel I shall plant it, that it may bring forth bows and bear fruit and become a stately cedar, and birds of every kind will nest under it, and they will nest in the shade of its branches. And the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. And I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken and will perform it. So what are the, what are the birds? It's talking about, in this chapter, kings and nations that because the word starts off as a, as a seed, but what happens is it begins to grow, and now kings begin to nest in its branches. They realize we have this kingdom, and this kingdom is a better system. This kingdom is a system of righteousness. And so they come out from that ungodly Babylonian kingdom and begin to nest in the kingdom of God because that's why he said the kingdom is like a little peck of measure of yeast, and it works out through the whole dose. So it's a picture that the kingdom swallows up everything. It starts off small it starts off just as a seed but as we as we sow the seed and understand how it works it begins to swallow up everything else so in that context you, you you study it and you and you prove me wrong that's what it's talking about it's not the same birds in matthew 17 that ate up the seed these are these are different birds all right all right let's take a 10 minute break we'll come back hallelujah